I wanted to celebrate a few things. Many of you guys know, and Pastor Bill's been doing this for several weeks, and, and celebrate the things happening here within community. So last Sunday night, hopefully you were a part of it. These are actually images from the marriage class with Community U. Um, that started and kicked off last Sunday night. We had uh, several couples investing in their marriage. Amazing, amazing time. That was one of the classes we offered last Sunday night. And Community U is going on um, tonight as well. So, so you don't want to miss that. But marriage classes, face painting. They were wanting to paint my face. I just didn't. I couldn't stay in that room long enough. Um, they, they hadn't got that point. So maybe today, I don't know, they, they can't do any harm. So, um, but amazing, amazing opportunities for them. And then school of worship for our students. We had several uh, junior high and high school students in this room and in the, the lobby there working on harmonies, working on what it means to lead people in worship. An amazing Opportunity for them, an amazing thing to look out and watch and be a part of. I was blessed by it, and then I got to hear some of their harmonies, and it was just, it was amazing. It was awesome. So um, that was also going on with Community U. Then Wednesday, we had CU at the poll. This picture is at the junior high school across the nation. Believers, students, it's a student-led movement, and they gather around their flagpoles to pray for their their schools, their state their country, their families. And so there was an, a, a great number of junior high students and then also at the high school, students rallying to pray for what God is going to do and for God to move through them. And then it didn't stop there with the morning they went to school and then they came here to community church on Wednesday night. We had, we had students gathering out in the lobby on the Circle Drive. We had an ice cream food truck. They ate some hamburgers and hot dogs like we have every Wednesday night for our people. And, and it was incredible. The sound got turned up. The lights, as you can see there, it used, yeah, should have been there. Check it out. You could hear us out in the, in the parking lot, out on the streets. It was awesome. But here's the, here's the pictures that got me probably the most. Students gathered all around this room, spread out in age groups, praying with each other, praying over each other. Students leading it out. There were adults there, but we had so many students leading the charge. And, and let me tell you, this generation that's rising up is going to change this world. So we need to be praying for them, celebrating, yes. And then also... This week, Tim and Lisa, they were, we had a little bit of drainage issue and then the con uh, condensation from the air units. And so they were like, we can fix that. So they dug and dug and dug some more and found the drain. They linked into it. So now there won't be standing water. And, and they did that because they wanted to serve. And so there's many opportunities. If you're looking for, maybe you have a talent or a trade like that, you're like, I just want to be used. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But maybe you say, I just want to be used. We have a spot for you. There are many opportunities to take Christ out through various different ways, even if it does involve a little bit of mud and PVC pipe or whatever pipe that is. So, but a couple things, awesome events coming up today, right after this service. I'll speak short because lunch is happening, but it's a newcomer's lunch. If you're new to here or you've never attended a newcomer's lunch here at Community Church, we want to let you know about who we are, what we believe, 
how we were founded, and and just give you some information and answer any questions that you might have. It's in the community center right after this service. Awesome opportunity to gather together and and learn and get to know each other a little bit more. Um, Last week, Pastor Bill started this message series, Floodgates, Releasing Heaven's Provision. And we're going to continue it on this week and next week when he's back with us. But last week, in case you missed it, now I'm not going to do it justice, so get on the website, get on the app, listen to the podcast, or if you're not driving, watch the video from last week. An amazing message, but we discussed three things. We, we discussed the great flood and how how the judgment, God's judgment came, but then we saw great promise and how obedience equaled the provision of God. And then through that, we see great provision and, and we can see that through radical generosity. And, and so once again, if you missed it, check it out because I don't do it justice. But today, this morning, we're going to continue looking at this idea of these floodgates, releasing heaven's provision in our lives and around our lives and through our lives. So this morning, Before we dive into our main text, we're going to look at just a couple passages of scriptures and a couple points of where we see, I believe, Jesus opening up the floodgates of what he wants to do in our lives. But before we get there, I want you to think with me real quick. Think about the last trip you went on. It could have been, I don't know where you went last But think about the last trip that you went on. Think about the preparation leading up to that trip. I know when we go anywhere anymore, I think I'm going to have to rent a U-Haul just to go on an overnight trip. Having a child, having a, a baby, man, we take so much stuff. So when we packed it last time, you know, got the pack and play, all the diapers, the wipes, the 14 and a half outfits, I don't know why, but, and all the toys, and you got to have the monitors, and then you have to pack the baby stuff, not just mine. Um, that landed a lot better in this service. I see you guys are ready. I love it. Now, as, as we pack all that stuff, and then we have to do our stuff. And there's only three of us, and I'm thinking, my vehicle can't hold all this once I get the stroller. And Lord have mercy. I'm just like, why? We're just going overnight down the road. I mean, but think about the things that we pack, the things that we take with us can't sleep in another bed without that pillow, the my pillow or whatever pillow, whoever's pillow. The things we pack. I love this in the text in, in Luke 9 is where we're going to start out, and that's not going to be where we camp. We're going to camp out in Mark chapter 6 today. But Luke 9 kind of sets the stage, and we'll come back to it here in a moment. But let's look at that real quick. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And he, being Jesus, called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure all diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Verse 3, and he says, And Jesus said to them, Take nothing with you. Take nothing for your journey, not a staff, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money, nor U-Haul, nor pack and plays. Um, do not have two tunics. Don't worry about all that stuff. Take nothing with you. I will provide. And we're going to get to the reason why that is so impactful and the importance of that here in a moment. But think about the things that we take and things that we, we have to make sure that we have everything. And then we still end up going to Walmart. I've not understood that to this day. We pack a full carload, and 
We always end up there. I'm just tempted to not pack anything and just buy everything at Walmart because I'm going there anyways. But whenever we do that, but we see Jesus say and telling his disciples, don't worry about packing all the things. I will be sufficient for you. So today in our main text is Mark, like I said, Mark chapter 6. If you're taking notes, awesome. If you're not, download the church app. They're all listed there in all the scripture as well. Easy fill in the blanks. It makes it fun. So this morning, Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30, and it says, And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done. So if you remember, Jesus had just sent them out in Luke 9. So he had just sent them out and said, Go, and I've given you authority. So the fast forward, the apostles and the disciples are coming back, and they're telling Jesus all that they had done, all that they had taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Can I get an amen? Jesus is like, Let's rest. Yes. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat. And they went away by a boat, in a boat to a desolate place themselves, by themselves. And now many of the crowd, they saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of Jesus and the disciples. When we went, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. We're going to look at three things today. Three things that Jesus takes full advantage of through this text of Mark 6. And we're going to read on in the story here in a moment. But first off, what we see here in this passage is we see an opportunity in the quiet. We just read in there that Jesus told his disciples, I value rest. I value recovery and recuperation so much that I'm saying, hey, let us go together. Let us go into a desolate place. Let us remove ourselves from all the toil of life, all the things that stress us out, all the calendars. Turn off your, turn on airplane mode. Turn off the calendar alerts and alarms and all that other stuff. Turn it off. We're going to rest. We're going to be in isolation in a desolate location. We're going to rest and recover and gear up for what is about to take place. Jesus valued the rest. He had equipped them and sent them out, and, and they had returned from doing ministry, and Jesus had something planned. So as they go to this desolate place, as they leave, Jesus himself, like I said, knowing the importance of rest, valuing it, knowing that his disciples were at the point that they needed some time away, they needed some rest, and made a way for that. But as they were going, I love it that the people noticed them going. The people just didn't notice that Jesus was going. We see that they also had that desire. Oh, if Jesus is going here, I, I want to be a part of that. I, wanna, I don't, don't want to miss out on that. So much to, to say, I don't know if you caught it, and I love it that the text specifically puts this out. Jesus and his disciples get in a boat. And they're starting to sail out when the people noticed they went by foot. Maybe it's so 
impressing upon me because I don't like to run unless I'm being chased. And if I'm being chased, I might as well just turn around and fight and run my chances because I don't like running. But these people have such an urgency and such a desire to be with Jesus and the disciples that when Jesus and the disciples got in the boat, they said, we want to be there. And they took off by foot, so much so that they even arrived before Jesus and his disciples. They arrived before. They got to the destination by foot. I'm so fascinated by that. They got there by foot before Jesus and his disciples who were taking the boat across. And when Jesus and his disciples arrived, what did it say? That he saw the crowds. He saw the crowds. And despite the need for rest that Jesus and the disciples had, despite what was going planned on the itinerary, when we plan a trip, some of you guys are starting to shake with a nervous twitch or whatever because we're going off itinerary right now. We're taking a detour right now, and I know some of you guys are planners, but that's what happens here. Don't look at your spouse. I don't want to be the cause of any disagreements. But some of you are saying, man, that stresses me out, going off course, going off what is planned. But that's what happened here. They were going to rest, but Jesus saw the crowd, and he had compassion on them. In that moment, we see Jesus seeing opportunity in what was supposed to be the quiet, in a relaxed atmosphere. He sees this opportunity, and he's taking full advantage of it. Church, how many times do we miss out on those opportunities. Oh, now it's hitting close to home. How many times do we miss out on those opportunities due to the fact that we just don't have enough time or we're just tired or we're worn out or maybe we're too busy because we know we have this and that on the calendar and and we don't want to get busy doing something or say yes to something because it's going to interfere on our time to get ready and our travel time for an event that's later on in the calendar. We make all these justifications for it. How many times do we miss out on these opportunities because it wasn't on the manifest, it wasn't on the itinerary that when we planned this trip, when we planned this day out, when we planned this adventure, when we planned this journey, we didn't plan for that. How many times do we miss out on the opportunities God is laying before us because we're so structured? Because we think we have it all figured out. We've put parameters on what we expect to experience on this day that we don't allow for God to do anything through it and in us and through us by whom and what we come across. Maybe we need rest and we just don't have time for that. We miss out on the opportunities. Or maybe we have the time, but how many times do we fail to have that compassion on the people because we're too tired or we're annoyed that that person needs compassion and needs walked with through that journey again or maybe they've gone through it before or maybe this is I just don't have the time or it's their own fault how many times do we miss out or we treat them with the opposite of compassion how many times do we miss out on what what God is wanting to do in our lives and through our lives and to the people around us because we are so structured and we live by our calendars or we live by the to-do list we live by the itinerary of our days which structure is great but I have an issue with it whenever it comes and impedes against what God is wanting to intersect my day. 
Lord forbid me get to the point where my structure, my calendar, my to-do list overshadows what God is wanting to do because his ways are greater than my ways. He knows all things. He can zoom back. I'm so focused in on my bubble. I would hate for it to be so focused that I miss what God is doing in an amazing work right over here, three steps away from me because I can't look up from my itinerary. I can't look up from my bubble. I'm so surrounded and absorbed by me that I miss out on what God is doing around. Or maybe it's good things like rest. We see Jesus valued the rest. But even in that moment, when Jesus himself, who valued the rest, he says, you know what? Yeah, this was supposed to be a restful time, but these people need it. These people need compassion. These people need to hear about the life-saving power of God. These people need to experience something supernatural. I'm willing to risk and bend my itinerary, my calendar for that. What began as a time of rest now turned into and morphed into a time of ministry. Jesus saw this opportunity and he took full advantage of it. He didn't let it go by. He wasn't going to risk it slipping through the cracks and missing out on this opportunity. He took full advantage. He saw an opportunity in the quiets. And he took full advantage of it. We also see here in the text is an opportunity with such a small offering. An opportunity with such a small offering. We see going on in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 35. It says, And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is late. Send them away Go into, to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Get this. I love it. But Jesus answered them. You guys deal with it. That's Tyler's version. So you guys give them something to eat. And they said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread to give them to some eat? Remember, Jesus in Luke 9 commanded them, take no bag. Don't take your money purses. Don't take all that stuff. I will be sufficient for you and I will provide. So he's saying, Jesus, we haven't brought all this stuff. How are we going to do this? The disciples are looking through the logistics of what Jesus has called them to do, and they're panicking. They're starting to get nervous because Jesus has called them to do something far better and bigger than themselves. Jesus has called them out of the box, out of the comfort zone, into something greater than what they were able to do. And then if we jump over to John's account of this same story, we see in verses 8 and 9, it says, And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here. There's a boy that we found. He has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Remember that right there. He's got some fish and some loaves, but what are they for so many? And then jump back over to Mark and it says, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And, he, and when they found out, they came back and said five and two fish. And then he commanded all the people to sit down in groups among the green grass. And, and so they sat down by the hundreds and the fifties and taking the five loaves of fish. And he, he took and looked up to heaven. And with that, he said a blessing. 
Looking up to heaven, he set up blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to all the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish, the two fish among them as well. Here we see this opportunity that Jesus seized yet another opportunity. He wasn't going to allow it to go by. He saw the opportunity not to take care of the people's need, not just teach them, but take care of a physical need that the people had. I love the fact that Jesus turned over the logistics of it to the disciples. I love it so much because though I'm not the greatest planner, I'm a logistical mind, so it's very difficult for me to sit through and visit any church and sit through a service without looking at all the tech stuff or w- wondering how the flow is going or even a presentation. We go to the, the musicals. I'm thinking, okay, what light tech is doing? It's a ridiculous. I can't hardly enjoy things. But I think through the logistics of these things, and so I'm fascinated by the disciples. Jesus says, here, go for it. Succeed. And the disciples start fidgeting around. They start getting nervous because they're like, we want to please Jesus. We want to do what he's called us to do, but we don't know how. We're not able to do this. How are we going to do this? And they're puzzled. Let's not forget that they're in a desolate area and that they haven't taken their money purses and brought all this stuff. They didn't have uh, the amazing kitchen workers and teams that we have here at Community Church that can whip up a meal out of nowhere, out of nothing. I mean, it's an amazing feat, and I've watched it with my own eyes, and it's incredible. They didn't have that, but what they have, I love it, because they come back and say, hey, we found a boy, and he had a Lunchable. (laughs) Pretty much. There's a young boy here that had a Lunchable for his, his lunch, which I was looking at this. This is not much. How is this going to satisfy me? And the disciples may be saying, I could eat all that all by myself. And how is this going to, what about the others? But the disciples came and said, Jesus, we've discovered this young boy with a Lunchable. Then the Lunchable not even in the message translation. But go with me. And after their discovery, they were still puzzled and perplexed, saying, yeah, we found this, and it's great, good. They probably had the church hands, so praise be to God, but is it going to be enough? How is this going to work? So the disciples, they found it, and they, they took it to Jesus. And then they asked the question that I told you, remember in John chapter 6, verse 9, said, the boy here has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? What are those small pieces of food for so many of a people that I've gathered here today? The disciples asked the same question that we asked many times. Maybe we're not asking it about food, but we ask it about our lives. God, I... I'm so small. I can't make a difference. I can't make an impact. God, I'm not smart enough. I'm not cool enough. I don't have all the right words. I'm not educated. God, I don't look like any of them. I'm not going to fit in. Nobody's going to listen to me. God, they're going to just laugh at me. What if, what if everybody doesn't like me because I take a stand for you? 
We start asking all these questions, but what am I for so many? What am I in the grand scheme of things? We ask this very question that the disciples ask. Who am I? God, what good could I possibly be? God, I'm old and, and, and I'm brittle and what good can I be? God, I'm too young. My age isn't going to allow me to do that. What good can I be? God, I've messed up too much. My checkered past, what good can I be to your kingdom? Or the God, this is way too much that I can handle. God, I can't take this on. It is too much. It is too far outside who I am and what I am, who I am being and, and what I am gifted at, so to speak. Whatever our excuses have been, God can make something great out of something seemingly inadequate. God can do great things in the moment that you think, I'm so worthless, I'm so inadequate, and it's not just me saying that, it's the world screaming that back at me, the world saying I'm not good enough, the world saying I'm worthless. But God can take that, something worthless, and make it so worthy. God can make something that is useless and useful for nothing. He can turn it in to the greatest of greats. Our God is that powerful. God is able to do something huge if we're just willing to offer him our small offerings whatever that may be whatever it looks like in our lives instead of saying all the reasons that he can't or I can't or God I've never done that or I've never experienced it we've never done it that way instead of saying you're not I'm not what if we were willing like the little boy saying you know this is this is my lunch and if I share this with others, it's already kind of small. If I share it, that means I'm going to get less. But what if for the little boy and say, you know what? Here you go, God. God, I lay it. It's not much. I don't have much to offer, but God, whatever I have to offer, it's yours. Take it. Use it. Do something amazing because God, with me, I'm just going to eat it all and it's not going to be anymore. But God, you have the power to take that and excel it to greatness. God, here I am. I'm not much. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. But God, I'm yours. And that's where I'm resting in. How, are we not to be? What if we were like the boy that said, God, here's my little Lunchable. Here's all I have in my life. Do something amazing with it. It's yours. Church, what if we say, and this got brought up to me afterwards, this land, yeah, 90 acres is a lot, but what if we say, God, I know in the grand scheme of the whole world that you own, God, we're not able to without you, so here it is. Use it, whatever it looks like. God, I don't know how many second offerings it's going to take, but here it is. God, I don't know what it's going to look like on this property. I don't know how many trees are going to have to go down, but God, here it is. Use us. Use me. Use this place. Have your will be done as we just sang. I might get excited. Woo. What if we took what we had and laid it at the feet, of, laid it in the hands of Jesus, said, God, it's yours. Have your way. God will see an opportunity and take full opportunity of that opportunity of a small offering he can do great things with.
something so small that you might have that you think is so insignificant when we lay it in the hands of Jesus it's able to multiply it's able to be greatness and we're going to see that we see an opportunity for a God-sized provision We've been talking about releasing heaven's provision. And we see here in this story, in this text, that we see an opportunity for God to do something huge like he likes to do, like he is able to do. Our God is so powerful and so amazing that he is able to pour down this stuff that we're so unable to even comprehend and even fathom and imagine. So we see in continuing in Mark 6, starting back up in 41 it says and taking the five loaves and the two fish he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and he did the same to the fish as well and they all ate i emphasize that they all say all with me they all ate and were what? Satisfied. They all ate. The multitudes, the crowds, they all ate and were satisfied. I looked up the word satisfied, and it says it means happy, filled, fulfilled, content, longing nothing, lacking nothing. The provision wasn't simply enough just to get by. It was something that completed and satisfied their very need. God is able to complete you. God is able to fully satisfy, but we must be able to to relinquish that all that we have and then get this not only did he satisfy and they took up 12 baskets of broken fish and broken pieces of the bread and all who were ate were about 5,000 God didn't just meet the need he gave them leftovers he gave them abundance. There was plenty left over. They ate and were satisfied, and then there was still more. They kept gathering, and I can't only imagine what the little boy, by giving this Lunchable, and he's standing there, and he's just watching the baskets flow back in. One, two, three baskets of leftovers, all the way to 12 baskets of leftovers from a simple Lunchable. Our God not only satisfies, but he does things in great abundance. From a small offering, they were satisfied and they had an abundance. And my question for us today is God wanting to do something abundantly in your life? Is God wanting to do something with great abundance in your life? Pastor Bill mentioned this last week and it stuck with me all week long. And it says, trusting God enables the release of heaven's provision. Trusting God Enables the release of the provision from heaven to come and fall down upon us. Had that young boy said, no, I want the Lunchable for myself because that's all I have to eat and that's what I have for my allotment. I don't want to share with anybody because that means I'm going to get less. But he said, I'm going to trust. God, I'm going to trust. It's something small. I only have something small to give. But here it is. I trust that you're going to take care of me. Here it is. Through that trust, through that release, through that relinquishing it, we see God doing something great, pouring down the provision from heaven and outpouring of abundance. From a little Lunchable, there came baskets and baskets of leftovers. 
Trusting God enables the release of heaven's provision. How are we going to trust him today, church? How are we going to trust him today? What are we going to trust him with? Maybe you walked in carrying something. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's huge. Maybe you've carried it for a long time, but you're saying, you know what? It's only a small fraction of my life. I can still worship God with it. He's saying, bring it to me. Bring it to me and lay it in my hands and I will take care of it. Whether to dissolve those things, whether to walk with you through those things, or maybe it's a gift, it's a small offering. You say, Jesus, this is all I got. He says, watch what I'm going to do and stand in amazement because the power of God. What God-sized provision is waiting for you today? I would hate to miss out on whatever it is because... I wanted to hold my Lunchable so tight. Something small and pointless and very trivial in the grand scheme of things. I wanted to hold on to it so tight that I'm going to miss out on the greatness of what God is preparing for me. May I not hold on to it. May I say, God, it's yours. Take it and then provide and do what you're going to do through it. What is God wanting to do through each and every one of us? What is God wanting to do through the church as a whole? May we not hold anything back and say, God, here I am. God, I don't have much to offer, but it's all yours. Open up your floodgates. God, pour down all that you are upon me. Because God, without you, I am nothing. And I can't do anything. So God, here I am. What is waiting for us to release of it? so that God can have everything that we are and everything we have. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you so much that, God, you are able. God, the small things, you're able to take those and make them great. God, the little flaws in me, God, you can overlook those and turn me into something amazing. God, my small offering, you can take and do an abundance with it. So, Jesus, I thank you. God, I thank you that you love me even though I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. But God, you love me and you care for me. So Jesus, I'm all yours. And Father, I pray that if there's one in this room today that hasn't relinquished control of their life, God, that they would say, here it is. It's not much, but God, you have my life. Take it. God, may we relinquish that control today. May we trust in you today. May you steer the ship from this day forward in our lives. We give it to you. God, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. No matter what you came in here carrying this morning, there's an opportunity to release it. I'll be down front, Pastor Bill as well, and some others. Whatever that is, don't leave here carrying it because God can do something amazing. And I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Bill right now. officially dismissed, but uh, just got a note that um, uh, Tony and Sheila Perrigan were involved just now in a head-on collision in Kansas. That's Freddie and Patty's kids.